John chapter 4, and we're going to begin with reading in verse number 3 that Jesus had left Judea and he was going back once more to Galilee. Verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus says to her, will you give me a drink? Now this is profound and we could just keep going on. I could probably preach on this passage of Scripture for about six months. Um, but there's always something more to pull out of this account, this passage. Verse 7 here tells us that when this Samaritan woman comes to draw water, Jesus asks her for a drink. And here's what I want to highlight. Here's what I don't want us to miss this morning. The fact that this Samaritan woman had her own jar. Now that sounds like a little thing, doesn't it? But she comes equipped holding her own jar. She's ready to, to dive into the well to get her own water. She did not show up that day needing or expecting anything from Jesus or anyone else. She came with everything that she thought she needed. Jesus then meets her at the well and he sees that she is carrying her own jar and he asks her for a drink. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Verse 10, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Now, on the, the flip side of the woman who comes with her own jar, we find out here in verse 11, Jesus has no jar. He's there waiting, and when she arrives with her jar, Jesus says to her, give me a drink, please. And I think these are, are two very important details in the passage that she has a jar and Jesus does not. Verse 13 then, let's keep reading. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman has a jar. Jesus has no jar. Verses 13 and 14 remind us that it doesn't matter. Jesus does not need a jar. Jesus doesn't need anything to draw water from the well. And those of you who are not tracking with me yet, I hope you get there in a moment. We're going to keep reading 
And we're going to make a connection here. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Sir, give me some of this water. Remember, she's still holding a jar. But she says to Jesus, who has no jar, give me some of the water that you have so I won't keep getting thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. We talked about that particular verse last week. See, Jesus is starting to outline for us a model of what it is to bring someone into connection, into communication with Him. And verse 15 reveals to us that this woman, although she thinks she, she, she came to the well thinking she had everything that she needed, she quickly realizes that she needs something from Jesus. That's interest. That's attraction. And once that has, has been stirred within her, once she makes that request of Jesus, He gets very personal with her, we're going to read verse 16 through 18 now. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. The man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said... Now, let's stop there. I said verse 18. She shows interest in Jesus, still carrying her jar. Jesus gets very personal with her. And here's the, the, the reality. Once someone shows interest, some, once someone says they are attracted to Jesus, once someone recognizes that there's something different in us, then it's time to shift gears and get personal with them. Talk about a, a felt need in their life. Talk about something that's going on with them. See, when I came to Jesus... I did not recognize as a young child all the transformation that he was going to do in my life. It's an ongoing process, as I'm sure it is for, with many of you as well. But when someone sits, senses something different in us, that we have a hope that the rest of the world does not have, that we hold on to a joy and a peace and an assurance with Jesus, they say, give me some of that living water. Show me how I too can meet Jesus. Anybody with me? And then we're allowed to get personal. Have you ever gotten per I asked you last week, Jesus, has Jesus ever gotten personal with you? Have you ever gotten personal with someone else in a conversation about Jesus? You know what? Jesus came into my life. He cleaned it up. He got into those, those areas that, that I wouldn't let anybody else into, and He can do the same for you if you only let Him. Jesus says to this woman, you're right, you have no husband, you've had five husbands, and the man that you are now with is not your husband at all. What you've said is quite true. Verse 19, Sir, the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim 
This place that we worship, that we must worship, is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming. Side note, I love how Jesus calls women woman. Love that. I love it. A time is coming when you will worship even his own mom he called woman. Woman, my time has not yet come. Try that, kids. Um, You Samaritans worship what you know, verse 22, what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will reveal all of these things to us. I said, interest. We talked about a personal conversation that Jesus has with the woman. Then he gets very spiritual minded in his conversation with her. Interest, personal, spiritual. And then the revelation, verse 26. Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he, I am the Messiah. I am the one that everyone has been looking toward. I am standing right before you. I am the one that spoke life into existence, Jesus says. I am the one that everyone worships, Jesus says. I am the one that you are looking for. And here's what I want to point out to us all. As followers of Jesus, it is our job to invite and to introduce people to Jesus. Let me say that again. As followers of Jesus, it is our job to invite and to introduce people to Jesus. If we're not doing that, then we are failing in the very call that Jesus has given to each and every one of us. Let me me clarify something here. As a pastor of the church, being my title alone, as a pastor of a church, it's not my job, stick with me, to invite people, or to introduce people to Jesus. My job, as just the pastor, is to equip the church and to encourage the church, myself being a part of that, to invite people to Jesus and to introduce people to Jesus. So if you've walked your entire relationship with Jesus thinking, well, that's the pastor's job or that's the church leadership's job alone, I want to give you that revelation today that that's not my job as the pastor, that's my job as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you're no different. That is our job as the church. And if we're not doing that, then we are failing in that very call that Jesus has given to us. Have I said anything upsetting yet? Just wave your hand if I do. 
As followers of Jesus, it is our job to invite and to introduce people to Jesus. And these 12 verses here, verse 15 through 26, give us a model of how Jesus invited and introduced himself to the Samaritan woman at the well. And I say it's our job to invite and to introduce people to Jesus. How people respond is completely up to them. It's our job to, to live a testimony, to speak a testimony. It's our job not to be quiet, as I was telling the kids this morning, about Jesus. It's our job as the church to encourage our children in the church, to encourage everyone in the church in their walk with Jesus. But our chief job is to introduce people to Jesus. Now let's read the response of the woman. Verse 28 through 30. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and she said to this people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and they made their way toward her, toward him, toward Jesus. The woman's response. I say the response is totally up to the other party. It's our job to invite and to invest and to, to introduce, rather, people to Jesus. Their response is on them. The way this Samaritan woman responds is in three steps. First, she leaves her water jar there with Jesus. She leaves her water jar at his feet. And second, then, she goes back to her town. And third, she invites people to come and meet the Christ. I say it's our job as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, to invite and to introduce people to Jesus. But the only way we can invite people to Jesus is if we first leave our water jar. And if then we go back to our town. That is our circle of influence, our family members, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. We first must leave our water jar. We have to pry it out of our hands for some. We have to leave it there with Jesus. Everything that we thought we had, that is everything that we need right here in my hands. Everything that I can control. I have to leave that with Jesus. I have to walk away and go back to my town in order to invite people to Jesus. I say this water jar that she was holding on to, it is symbolic. It's symbolic to us of any sin that we have in our life. It is symbolic of any burden that we are carrying on our own shoulders. It is symbolic of any love interest that we have in our life that distracts us or calls us away from Jesus as the only thing that we need. Amen? She leaves her water jar. And only then can she go back to her town. Only then can she truly invest in and invite those people that she is most influential to. And get that opportunity to invite them to come and meet the Christ. Jesus, the Messiah. 
It is our job as followers of Jesus to invite people and to introduce people to Jesus. I ask you this morning, church, have you left your water jar at Jesus' feet? Have you left those, those sins with Jesus? Have you left those burdens at Jesus' feet? Have you left those things in your life that you love more than Jesus with Jesus and said, I'm trusting you in full faith to take care of these things? I've come to that point where I recognize this is not what I need. You are all that I need. Have you left your water jar. For some of you, you say, yes, I've, I've left my water jar. I, I, put it, I put everything, all my sins, all my burdens, everything before Jesus. So then I ask, the next step, have you gone back to town? Have you gone back to those people that you are called to influence, those people that, that, that Jesus has blessed you with, family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors? Have you gone back to them to influence them? Some of you would say, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Well, then the third step, and for whatever reason, this seems to be the hardest step for so many people in the church. Have you invited people and introduced people to Jesus? I was made aware of a, a passage in Matthew where Jesus says, every, every tree, every bad tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down. Do you understand the ramifications of that were those words of Jesus. If we're not producing good fruit, we're not producing followers of Jesus, disciples in the name of Jesus, the consequence is that we are cut down in eternity. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be cut down. And anytime Jesus says, this group of people is going to be cut down, that tree is going to be cut down and destroyed, I don't want to be in that group. Anybody else with me? A few. Praise the Lord. Let's do this. I say again, as followers of Jesus, it's our job to invite and to introduce people to Jesus. However, I want to read verse 39 and following. It says this, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Somebody say hallelujah. Because she said, he told me everything I ever did. So they believed. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, see, they didn't just listen and say, wow, that's really great. I'm really glad Jesus helped you. Now they came to Jesus. They urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days. Verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, and this is, this is phenomenal. They said to the woman in verse 41, 40, 42, we no longer believe just because what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know this man really is the Savior of the world. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to believe because of what you said alone. I came to Jesus because of what you said, but now I've experienced Him. I've heard His voice. I've, I've 
sat in his presence. I've stayed with him. And now I know for certain that he is the Savior of the world. And I say that, and I highlight that to say this, we so often think, and we put this, this great load on our shoulders, well, I'm supposed to win the world. I'm supposed to transform the lives of people. No, all we're supposed to do is make that introduction. All we're supposed to do is invite people to come and experience Jesus the way we have experienced Jesus and say there, there's so much more. But don't believe just because of what I said. Believe because of the testimony that Jesus will leave in your life. See, your testimony, your invitation into someone's life has the power to transform their eternity. Do we recognize that? Do we sense that as we worship Jesus? That this is eternal change we're talking about. The Samaritan's response then. They came to Jesus. They believed in Jesus. Or rather, they stayed with Jesus. And then they believed in Jesus. I'm going to say that again because I really messed that up. They came to Jesus. They stayed with Jesus. And then they believed in Jesus. A lot of people are believing in Jesus, but they're not ever coming to Jesus. If you don't understand that, then look around. A lot of people are saying, I believe. I'm going to unpack that and say, a lot of people are saying, I believe. But they don't step foot in a church. I mean, thousands throughout our community. I believe but I just don't have time to go to church. I believe I just don't have time to, 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 to read my Bible. I believe I just don't have time to actually have a conversation with the Messiah, the, the one that I believe is the Savior of the world. Now I've stepped on your toes, haven't I? Okay, good. I can go on. No, they, this, this, this Samaritan village, they, they, they come to Jesus, they stay with Jesus, they believe with, uh, in Jesus. As followers of Jesus, I say it again, it's our job to invite and to introduce people to Jesus. See, and if you're not a believer of Jesus yet, you're not one of his followers yet, this is the invitation that is extended to you. Come close to Jesus. Just as this Samaritan woman did, you're going to see something different in him. Not simply because I'm saying it, but because that's who Jesus is. Because His Spirit transforms lives. Come close to Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Experience His presence in your life. His power. The love that He brings. The joy that He brings. The peace that He brings. And believe in Him. Not simply because someone else tells you you should but because you know that he really is the Savior of the world. Where are you today in your walk with Jesus? Where are you today in your faith? See, each and every one of us, we must come to a point in our life where we come to Jesus. We must come to that, that point in our lives. Now, I, I say that to back up for a minute and say this, if People don't come to Jesus in this life. They will come to Jesus in the next life. They, every, every single one of us will stand before Jesus on that day of judgment where Jesus says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is 
Lord. So when I say that each and every one of us must come to that point where we come to Jesus, it's either now or in eternity. And I would invite us this morning to come to that point in our life where we come to Jesus, but we don't just come to Jesus, hear this and say, wow, that's really great. I would invite us to come to Jesus and leave that water jar that we are carrying around, those sins, those burdens, those love interests that come between us and God, come that, that, that stand as that barrier that doesn't allow us to get too close to Jesus, doesn't allow us to, to experience too much of His Spirit in case we are branded a, a weirdo. See, I'm okay with that. Leave your water jar and then go back to town, as this woman did, go back to those people that you have the power to influence and invite them, introduce them to the Savior of the world, the one that has transformed your life. See, and if Jesus really has transformed your life, you're going to want to invite people to meet him, aren't you? But if Jesus has not yet, if you sit here today and you say, well, you know what, I just don't know if Jesus has really transformed my life, I would ask the question and urge you to consider if you truly come to Jesus. Have you truly experienced all of His power in your life? See, He didn't die for us and rise again so that we can live a mundane walk with Him. Jesus died and He rose again so that we can have the hope of eternity and we can walk in joy and peace and love and, and excitement today. So as we close this morning, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. Karen and Kay are going to come and, and play a little music for us. And I'm going to invite you to the altar to do one thing. Just one thing. You can, you can come for a moment. You can come for several minutes. You can come for several hours. That's up to you. But this morning, as I tell you, as I invite you to come to the altar, I'm going to invite you to do one thing, and that is to leave your water jar. Leave whatever it is that you're holding on to. Leave whatever it is that you thought was enough. Leave whatever it is that you think, this is all that you've ever thought. This is all that I need. Whether it be sin, whether it be a burden that you've carried for far too long, or whether it be some relationship or something that you've put more priority a higher priority than Jesus so as I invite you to come to the altar this morning let's just allow some time for the Holy Spirit to speak to each and every one of us individually and let's invite and let's allow him rather to to move in us as we come to the altar